0: Well, hello and welcome to the COVID 19 and hematologic malignancies expert insight webcast. Um, This is now our fifth episode of actually seven. We've extended our program now to have seven uh, different programs within uh, the overarching program, and today uh, we have the privilege of uh, being in our fifth episode where I will shortly interview Yelak Biru, who is a patient advocate and a member of the uh, board of the International Myeloma Foundation. My name is Dr. Joseph McHale. I'm a hematologist, I'm a pro- professor at the Translational Genomics Research Institute, and the chief medical officer of the International Myeloma Foundation. We're very thankful to be able to bring you this series and trust that it will be helpful to you as we try to incorporate all the new changes in life that COVID has brought us into our heme malignancies practice. We're also very proud to offer this as a CME certified program. Uh, so you'll see as you watch this that there are opportunities to submit feedback and to, at the end of the program, be able to request your uh, CME certification. We have questions for you that we hope will help you and give you uh, deeper insight into what we are uh, seeking to provide you today. But well, as we've mentioned, uh, today is a very special part of this series where uh, we have the privilege of speaking to a patient advocate who himself is a myeloma patient and uh, also a very good friend of mine and just an absolutely wonderful human being. Uh, So it's a joy for me to be able to share uh, this video today with Yelak Biru. So Yelak, it's so nice to see you, my friend, and thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me, Dr. Joe. After that kind of introductions, I should just be quiet and say nothing. Oh, no, absolutely We've been not. Rocked for a few minutes.
0: <laughs> no, we're very thankful to, to have you here. And I look forward to hearing my voice less and hearing your voice more uh, as we talk through. So, over, over the next 10 to 12 minutes, you know, like, I'd like to get some of your insight into uh, really what this COVID crisis has meant for the cancer patient. And uh, maybe for, for our first part here, let me ask you. You know, how has the cancer patient community in general uh, been dealing with this? I know that there's a tremendous amount of fear and it can be very isolating for all of us, perhaps even more so in the cancer community. But, but share with me your thoughts around that and how, how we've been able to overcome at least some of that.
1: Sure. Uh, you have dealt, we have dealt with cancer patients uh, for many years. And when cancer patients are first told that you have cancer, the first thing that comes to their mind is how long do I have to live? And that is coupled with the fear and also sense of losing control uh, of their life. And when uh, you then couple that with COVID, and what COVID brings to the table is compound that uncertainty with the uncertainty of, do I get COVID? If I get COVID, will I be able to survive? Or because I have a malignancy, would I not be able to survive COVID? And uh, while living with myeloma, I may not live with COVID, right? So that fear is real, and uh, in in some cases could be crippling. I have friends uh, that are on social media that I interact with that have been uh, homebound for over three months now and are afraid to leave their homes and so this concept of social isolation or uh physical Distancing from others is real and actually leads to not only uh, that isolation, but associated depression and other mental problems that uh, as advocates and as uh, you physicians need to make sure that uh, is not ignored.
0: Yeah, that, that's incredibly insightful. Thank you, I know I mean, I know for... Every one of us, in some respect, even as myself, working in the front lines and being uh, in the hospital and the clinic on such a regular basis, this is still very isolating, and I imagine it just amplifies that within the patient community. So, so if if you are speaking, which you are indeed, to a primarily a physician and healthcare provider audience, although I know that there'll be some patients listening in too, especially when they know you're here what sorts of things can we as providers do to to help with that fear, to help with that isolation, to minimize that? I mean, thankfully, in many respects, the COVID crisis seems to be descending, but it's still going to be with us for a while.
1: Yeah, you guys, physicians and researchers, are really good at measuring physical response to treatment and response to uh, uh, overall care. Uh, mental challenges or mental uh, issues, uh, including depression, rela- as a result of this COVID, even with myeloma, are in some cases not discussed because the physicians are not always comfortable with that. So this is where I tell uh, myeloma patients that they need a team approach, right? Uh, They need to have a team of people that are helping them in their care. So the same as uh, somebody has a myeloma expert, uh, uh, an infectious disease expert, uh, if they have to deal with COVID, it really is also important to have a mental health expert as part of their care team. Uh, While I understand that uh, physicians may not always be in a position to be able to help patients in that way, patients need to take proactive role uh, in order to be able to build this uh, multi-discipline care team, uh, which is also what I I think physicians and uh, clinical clinics need to be able to ensure they also have that multi care
0: team. And that's a really good point because, you know, I have long advocated, uh, obviously, the importance of the physician-patient or the healthcare provider-patient relationship. I mean, it really is at the center of what we do in medicine. And I think COVID is, is helping us see the absolute importance of that, that although in many respects, it is ideal to be able to sit at the same table with the patient or in the same room, that it's incumbent on us as providers during this time to address the elephant in the room. And and even I know that in many of my patient discussions virtually, because we do so many of our patient visits now virtually, even though their myeloma measures are completely benign and everything is stable and, and their response to chemotherapy is excellent, there is that mental health concern that you've described, that fear, that isolation. Uh, I think maybe one silver lining of some of the uh, virtual approaches is that sometimes I get to see patients with, you know, their, their spouse and their pet next to them. And, and it gives us a human dimension that we have to look at. And, and I, uh, I really think for those listening in today as providers, your responsibility is not just to the patient's tumor, it's to the whole of them. But from your perspective, uh, Yelak have you been hearing about positives and negatives around these virtual visits? I mean, has this been in some ways a, a good thing? Like I know in my clinic, I'm actually seeing more patients than I would have others otherwise seen who can't travel to see me. I get to see them by virtual means, but I miss that human contact dimension that the, the real closeness that you can obtain face to face. What is that? What perspective did have the patients brought?
1: The uh. The good thing about virtual visits is I can visit you, one of the myeloma experts, from anywhere in the country or even in the world, right? So that is really the the side benefits of virtual visits. Uh, The uh, challenges with virtual visits is it's not always easy to read body languages. I may have mentioned that I actually uh, changed my previous treatment because of the body language of my myeloma expert because I was in front of him when we were discussing treatment and while he was verbally telling me it's okay to get on that treatment, I can't tell from his body language, uh -uh, don't do it. Uh, So uh, that was really important for me to be able to, to, to make that decision. So even I think the reverse is true for you, you may not be able to read if I am in front of you over a screen that I'm actually not as smiling or not as talkative as I am normally or uh, be able uh, to assess how I'm doing from that non-verbal communication perspective. Because you are in most cases seeing this in other cases, uh, you know you are distracted by my dog, as you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. or uh, the issues with technology is I don't know how to use it as a patient, and actually, in, in some cases, you may be seeing the the roof of uh, uh, the, the room or whatever, right So that uh, technical barrier technology barrier is, is there. Also in the underserved community, not everybody is able to leverage uh, internet or have internet or smartphones in order to be able to participate in that uh, virtual care, which I think is important for physicians and uh, clinics to take that into consideration and uh, allow for an exception, if you would, for, uh, to that uh, virtual visit.
0: I think that that last point you've made, like particularly resonates with me, and I think that's very important. You know, we've had some visits with patients that live in very rural areas or, or, or and, and you know, in, in our world of multiple myeloma, we know we have many uh, uh, older patients who may not have the technical expertise that you've described. Um, I had a, a virtual visit the other day where they could get the video working but not the audio, so they had their computer on and their phones at the same time. And we made it work. But, you know, and it's, I make light of it a little bit, but I think it really is an important issue, because some have advocated that, you know, basically, we can almost always go to virtual uh, patient visits, almost like we want to go to virtual meetings, you know, uh, virtual is becoming a tough word for me. Uh, And I do think we can't lose that human dimension. I, I was on a video console with a patient the other day, and And I I wish they had tilted the camera down a little more because I think I saw the patient reaching over and trying to quiet down her husband because he kept interrupting. Uh, (laughs) If we were in a real room together, I would have seen them doing that. And and I think we do lose that. You know, I think for the short term and in certain visits, it's helpful, but not just for the physical exam, but for all of those reasons you described, that's really helpful to me you know, yeah. like the other question I wanted to ask you that I know you feel very passionate about when we had our roundtable discussion, you had this really, I thought, beautiful discussion around balancing reality and hope. And one of the things that I've been very, very passionate about through this whole series that we've been doing on COVID uh, has been the notion that we can't uh, throw out the baby with the bathwater, as it were, meaning we we can't be so COVID focused that we lose sight of the fact that Patients have real disease that really needs to be addressed, in multiple levels. and And tell me a little bit about your perspective through this, because I know you've you've instructed hundreds and thousands of people over the years around the, the importance of advocating for themselves and for um, the kind of approach that is so necessary in cancer. And how does one balance that with all that's going on with COVID?
1: Yeah. So, uh, as you may know, uh, I led the North Texas Myeloma Support Group for many years before moving into the Northwest Arkansas area, and the mission of the North Texas Myeloma Support Group is to create and share hope with myeloma patients, caregivers, family, and friends through education, support, and our personal experiences. So, uh... In order to be able to create that balance between a hope and reality, it really is important to take the whole patient ecosystem, the patient, the caregiver, and the family, but also take into uh, the, the equation the uh, education that we need to provide to the patient, the support that we need to provide to the patient, and the ability and the importance of patients sharing their personal experiences with each other, because that in itself brings hope. Uh, while it does not replace uh, you know, clinical trials or uh, validated outcomes, patients really have a powerful relationship with other patients that are traveling their death journey with them. And so being able to share their personal experiences is important. But COVID is hopefully for a myeloma patient that is going to live for the next decade or plus, thanks to all the the research you guys have done, hopefully is like a, a side uh, challenge that we have to overcome and we have to remain alive through that in order to take advantage of all the uh, drugs that have been approved for myeloma and also all of the uh, drugs that would soon be approved through the clinical trials. So I think it's really important to mention what we should do as myeloma patients To continue to live longer with myeloma. Uh, To me, having a myeloma specialist is paramount, especially uh, if you are at an area of you have the means to get one. As more and more drugs become available, the equation of uh, what should be my next treatment is becoming more and more complex and nobody uh, can help you navigate as well as a myeloma specialist can. And we talked about the need for building a team, whether you are dealing with COVID or with myeloma, uh, because you are uh, one of a kind, but also as a human being, I am uh, as an, quote unquote, uh, an elderly person, you have other things that you need to deal with. I need to deal with now that I have lived with myeloma for 25 years. Uh, so I need to make sure that I build uh, that, that uh, team of specialists to continue to uh, help me through my myeloma journey.
0: Mm. That's very insightful, very helpful. Yeah, like, I mean, you're an inspiration to so many of us and how you've handled it and you know, leading support groups and helping in innumerable other ones. Uh, I've been hearing about how many of the support groups are, are meeting, ironically, even more regularly, although virtually. Um, uh, and and I think one of the things I'm hearing from my patients too is that you, you kind of got to find what works for you. Some people really benefit from a certain kind of model of support group. Others. Um, uh, approach it a different way, and I, I really try to think of every patient. I say to them, you know, you individual. Uh, just uh, as you have an individual appetite for your meals, you have an individual uh, desire for your knowledge of your disease, and and being empowered through that and building that team around you. I think we are in an unprecedented time in medicine of team approach. We we've, we've given it lip service and and some genuine. Uh, approach for many years, but I think now more than ever that team concept is important. Well, our time is almost done, you like, but before we go i I, I want you to give you a, another opportunity to leave us with some some concluding thoughts, you know, although this whole series that we 've been privileged to do with imedics has has focused on the covid crisis and many of the immediate strategies that we 're taking to deal with this, but we also want to look at the long term strategies and and many of our uh, patients that we're treating with malignancies for good reason have become chronic malignancies. Uh, yeah. Chronic lymphocytic leukemia, multiple myeloma, certain forms of uh, lymphoma uh, are, are really ones in which the patient is going to have this disease for, for many years. What, what thoughts can you leave with us to help both the patients understand and the providers understand that long-term focus and how important that is?
1: I'm going to pivot this a little bit uh, because COVID has affected African Americans disproportionately, and uh, has highlighted the uh, the overall uh, disparities in care uh, uh, for not only myeloma patients but also anybody uh, that is being impacted uh, by by COVID. So in my opinion, it really is not enough for healthcare institutions, whether they are uh, industry or government or research institutions to stand against health disparities and clinical trial underrepresentations, which leads to drugs to be approved. I think the test of the day today is whether those institutions will use their power uh, to fight this inequality Consciously and over time.
0: Oh, that's uh, brilliantly put and and so pertinent uh, this week and every week, frankly. Um, I mean, as you you have been such a partner to me, I appreciate that as we've launched a a very large African-American initiative, you know, with myeloma, and I'm sure our providers listening know this, that multiple myeloma has twice the incidence um, in the African-American community than we see in the Caucasian community. And in some ways, that's shared with COVID in the sense that we've seen disproportionately uh, more African-American patients uh, and and patients of various backgrounds. I I work in Arizona, and we've had a significant outbreak in the Navajo Nation, and it's been a tremendous challenge. And we've been working with leaders there and with others to try and facilitate ways to care for patients. And it's sad in one way that, that COVID has had to further highlight that to us. But uh, if you're listening today and you're a healthcare provider, I mean, again, as I always say, I don't treat my alum, I treat people. And we have to look at them as people uh, and understand their unique situation and background uh, and be advocates personally. And, and I think you said it so well, Yalek, that even our institutions have to be much more uh, influential in the field than just saying, oh, yes, we should increase enrollment in clinical trials and certain access to therapies. I get that, but there's so much more to this. Well, thanks, Yale. It's, it's always such a pleasure to talk to you and I really hope that um, those who are listening in will be inspired as I've been inspired by, by your story and also by the help that, and, the, and the intelligent insight you give us in these issues. Uh, we trust that you'll continue to join us for our uh, final two sessions. We still have episode number six, where I'll have a chance to speak to Jessica Altman and speak to her about uh, how the COVID crisis has impacted the care of patients with myeloid diseases, such as acute leukemia and myelodysplastic syndromes. Uh, and then we are going to have a, a bonus, if you will, seventh uh, episode that we didn't initially plan, but we've, there's been so much interest and so much discussion with our colleagues from infectious diseases that we're going to have Dr. Michael Satlin come back and join us, uh, who's an infectious disease specialist in New York City, and share with us further insights into uh, the care of patients with this uh, awful virus. But thank you again for joining us. You can uh, absolutely obtain your CME credit. Um, by following uh, the instructions on your screen and also provide uh, questions to us we we've been having many questions come in and we seek to answer them in the best way that we can so if you have questions please do uh, chime in and provide them to us we look forward to seeing you in our next episode again lastly thanks again Yelak, for joining me Uh, it's a pleasure to have you and uh, we trust all of you have enjoyed the program today thank you